So turning your Bible to Galatians chapter 1, that's where we're going to be. And uh, we're going to start a series going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. Paul wrote Galatians, right, as he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that this morning. But his message to the church at Galatia was that all they need in life is faith and specifically faith in God's grace. And so I want you to, I want you to do something with me because this is what we're going to be talking about for the next, oh, I think 12 weeks or so. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Okay? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And this is the crux of Paul's message to the church of Galatia. So I want you to say it with me. You ready? Jesus, Jesus plus, plus nothing, nothing equals, equals everything. 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 Right? Everything. All right? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And what Paul was trying to get across to the church of Galatia was that all they needed, right, in the midst of life was faith in God's grace. And he uses three different methods to do this. And this, this is how we're really breaking down the next 12 weeks or so. The first couple chapters are his personal approach, right? This is his personal appeal, his testimony, his own story of grace. And we talk about that all the time here at Summit, that your most powerful evangelism tool is your testimony. It's the story of the work that God is doing in your life. No one can get as passionate about your story as you can. Right? No one can get as passionate about your story as you can. And so that's the first two chapters. Then the third and the fourth chapter are where Paul goes into the doctrinal beliefs. Right, so He tries to point them back to the church that this is the reason and this truth. And he gives them the truth of why the, that, that all they need is faith in God's grace. And then the fifth and sixth chapter, he gets practical. He gets application. And so essentially, right, we need to remember that as we go through this over the next 12 weeks, sometimes you're going to feel like we're ending on a cliffhanger, right? Because Paul is sending this one letter to the church to essentially be one message. But if we took the next 12 weeks of messages and we did it in one day, I, don't have, a, I have a feeling that not all of you would stick around the whole time for that. Right, so we're going to break it up a little bit. So he gives the last two chapters are the practical emphasis, the application of the thing. And the problem was, the problem was that Paul was addressing was this, that the gospel that had changed Paul's life and through him, the lives of others was now under attack. The gospel was under attack. Now, really quickly, we got to talk about what the gospel is, and we're going to finish today with this as well, okay? But the gospel is very simply good news, right? It's a, it's a, it's a word that means the good news. The good news about what, right? Not that the patriots are going to win today. That's not the gospel, right? The gospel is that, which by the way, by the way, can we just talk about this real quick? Because I know some of you came in, you're so happy that the Buccaneers won Thursday night. Bless your hearts. No, don't clap for that. Okay, Thursday night was the first time I ever cheered for the Cowboys. Okay, I just, I'm still bitter. And I'm praying through that, okay? But every time I see Brady throw to Gronk, it just, there, there's a tear that just comes down. And so, anyway, where were we? The gospel, the good news, right? And, and, and so the gospel, when we talk about the gospel, what we're talking about is the good news of Jesus, 
right? We celebrate. We celebrate. Everybody say celebrate. celebrate. We celebrate the fact, right? There's enough, there's enough dividedness, right? There's enough dividedness. When we gather on a Sunday morning, we can celebrate. We can be full of joy. Come on now. Is it all right if I preach? All right. All right. It, it, there's enough dividing us. When we gather on Sunday morning, it's okay to be full of joy. It's okay to smile. It's okay to fist bump or elbow bump or whatever you're comfortable with, high five, right? All those different things, right? Because we gather because of the gospel. We get to gather because there's a Savior who paid the penalty for our sin that we couldn't pay and offered us eternal life. All because he wanted to be with us. And so we don't get old, we don't get tired of talking about the good news of Jesus because it's really the point, right? It's really the reason that we gather because of Christ, because of the work of Christ on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus going to prepare a place for us. We have a hope that no other religion has. And, and so the gospel is what really sets us apart, Okay, and gives us reason to gather and reason to celebrate. And so essentially the problem, everybody said the problem. The problem. I'm just making sure you're listening because remember last Sunday, that 47% of you that, that checked out already and you're here physically, but you're not here. Okay. All right. Um, we, when, when we gather the problem, right, the problem that Paul is addressing is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus was under attack. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at um, Galatians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 10 this morning. Man, it feels good to be in here, doesn't it? There's just a lot of space between. I mean, the Turners didn't even sit on the front row. Unbelievable. That's the first time, I think, ever. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, when, when you read the New Testament, and specifically you get to read Paul's writings, I love reading his greetings. Right? They're, they're just awesome. And, and how he blesses people, right? Because the church of Galatia would have no doubt been blessed by reading, right? Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he essentially in verse four reminds them of the gospel in which he's writing for, right? Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God, and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, the, the downer part for this greeting is it's actually the shortest greeting that Paul writes, which expresses all the, all the scholars and commentators I've, I've read preparing for this, right, expresses the importance of the message that he was getting to, okay, which is going to become even more clear as we keep reading. Look at verse 5. Uh, we always, ooh, lost that, I'm in Colossians, that's not right, back here, I am, uh, I am astonished, right, verse 6, excuse me, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel of he from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. 
As we've said before, so now I'll say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And so Paul gets to right down to the point in verse 6. I'm astonished, I'm grieved, some translations say, that you are deserting the gospel. So quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. And I love how he says in verse 7, not that there is another one. Right? Not that there is another, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. I'm so thankful that the church of 2021 has come a long way from the church of Galatia. Amen? That there's no one out there trying to distort the good news of Jesus and trying to confuse people for personal gain, monetary gain, and all of those different things. Aren't you just happy as we sit in in church this morning that we can trust the purity of the gospel being preached all across our world this morning. I wonder what Paul would say today. Have you ever thought about that? What would Paul write today? And so Paul's out to defend the truth, right? Paul's out to defend the truth of the good news of Jesus, the gospel, right? And he has a unique perspective in doing so. Right? And so he starts with his story. So we're going to start with this morning what Paul started with. He starts with his story. Look at verses 1 through 5 again. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus and God the Father, uh, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He shares with them, Paul shares with them at the start of this, by what authority he's able to write them. He shares with them his authority. He's essentially giving his credentials here in the beginning, as he does in most of his letters, if not all of them. He's giving his credentials as to what authority he's able to write to them. And he starts with his ministry. Um, not through man, not for men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. See, Paul is not one of the 12 apostles, right? Paul's not listed in that. Paul was not one of the 12 apostles. We know Paul's story from Acts 9 where he met Jesus. He was blinded on the Damascus road. But Paul has three qualifications that give him the authority of an apostle. So even though he was not one of the 12, not one of the initial apostles, we know that Paul has the authority of an apostle because three reasons. Number one, he's seen the risen Jesus on the Damascus Road, Acts 9. He's seen Jesus, right? Jesus appeared to him. It's also documented in 1 Corinthians 9. Secondly, he had a personal call from Jesus. He had a personal call from Jesus. He emphasized that aspect here in Galatians 1, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. So his call was not from men, not from man, but from Jesus specifically. And so he had seen Jesus. He had a call from Jesus. And number three, he had the testimony of spiritual fruit. He, he had the testimony of spiritual fruit. And all the brothers who are with me. We see all throughout the New Testament, Paul's fruit. You're my seal. Paul established his spiritual authority. And so he was speaking 
to the church at Galatia as a God-called apostle. He was speaking as a God-called apostle. He had also, this gave, this gave him even a little more authority to the church of Galatia. He had founded the churches in Galatia. He had founded the churches in Galatia, and he reveals his affection for them, right? And so he starts with a story in that he has a ministry here, and he has an affection for them. What was his message? Paul states the message in verses 3 and 4, right? That the Judaizers... We're trying to change. And that was who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, the good news, the gospel centers on a person. Jesus. The person who paid a price and gave himself on the cross so that he might achieve a purpose, drawing all unto himself. And then we see his motive. In verse 5, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so Paul, all that he did, right, was for the glory of God, not the glory of himself. And that's really, that's really one of the first ways to, to point out, to spot a false teacher, right? Someone who is out uh, promoting their own name. Uh, there's, there's a church I heard of one time, and I, I won't use the name, but there's a church I heard of one time that uh, in, their, in their children's classrooms, the coloring pages every Sunday were coloring pages of the pastor. <laughs> you might have an issue in your church if you're printing off coloring pages for your kids to color of you. I mean, that would be a cute color. I mean, I'm just... <laughs> right? Right? And so that's the, that's the promotion, right? And so the, one of the first ways to identify a false teaching, a false gospel, is who they promote. In what name are they teaching? In what name are they proclaiming? And see, it's right in our vision statement. It's right in our mission statement from the very beginning. At Summit, all that we do is for the glory of God, not us. All that we do is for the glory of God. If Travis is gone tomorrow, if Ian's gone tomorrow, if Dylan's gone tomorrow, Dylan might be a little more difficult than me and Ian because Dylan knows all the more of the stuff, right? But, but if, if me and Ian are gone tomorrow, guess what? Summit still gathers next Sunday, right? You are not contingent. You're not, you're not reliant on us. You've proven that over and over and over again. Right? And, so, and so Paul reminds them and, and, and calls out that his motive is the glory of God. His motive is the glory of God. Not himself and not his name being furthered. And then in verses 6 and 7, he talks about the why. Right? So he tells his story. He begins with a story. And then secondly, he goes to his why. He's burdened deeply that they're turning so quickly that they were deserting the grace of God. Look at verses 6 and 7 again. You can hear his heart in these verses. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some of you who, there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Right? His, his heart is breaking for the people of Galatia that there's some who are coming and giving them trouble and trying to distract them. And are trying to distract them. 
I was sitting, um, I, was, I was sitting the, earlier this week in Vermont, which let me just tell you, Vermont's beautiful, but it is a pain to get to Vermont. There's like no good way. There's no good way to get from here to, to, to Vermont, but they've got Ben and Jerry's, right? Which is, is beautiful. And, and cheese, right? What else do you need? Cheese and Ben and Jerry's, right? It's, it's unreal. It's a great place to visit. Um, but I was in Vermont at, at this thing called Pastors Encouragement Retreat, and we were in the, in the room with like 200 uh, or so um, pastors and wives, so over 100 churches represented, I think, in this room. Real blessing. And on the first night, Monday night, this uh, preacher from Memphis, Tennessee, he spoke in a different language, one that I didn't even know, right? And I'm from North Carolina, but he said some words like shucking the corn was a, was a, was a referring to a good message. And I hadn't even, nobody's ever come up to me after I preached and said, hey man, you really shucked the corn this morning. <laughs> and I'm not even sure how I would respond to that. <laughs> Corn? Where's corn? I want some corn, right? Are we doing another corn roast? Anyway, um, but 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 one of the things he said Monday night was to, to all these pastors and their wives in the room, saying, "Hey, don't ever feel like you're alone, right? Don't ever feel like you're alone. Look around. You are representing New England. You're all ministering in New England, all spread out all over the state. And you know what I thought about?" How grieved I was for each and every pastor knowing what they've gone through over the last 18 months. Because I, as I look, as I look, and, and hear me, I know you're sick of me talking about this, and I'm sick of talking about it, right? But as I look over the last 18 months, how easily the enemy has come in and divided the church over little pieces of cloth and other things, I'm heartbroken. How quickly we desert our passion for the gospel and write people off based on whether or not they're wearing masks. How quickly we do these things, right? How quickly we allow, how quickly we allow little things to come in the way of the fruit of the gospel. Of the fruit of the gospel. One, one, of, the, one of the things that, 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 that I've said to a few of you, I know I've said in our leadership meetings, that, that if I wasn't a Christian and I saw how the church was fighting over this pandemic, I'm not sure I'd want to be a part of this thing. It's, it's turned everybody ugly toward each other. Right? And I know, I know, it's hard and there's... There's different things, and there's all, all these different things, right? All these different things, and you expect people and, and to, to, you know, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. All I'm saying is, are we living for the glory of God or our comforts? Are we living for the glory of God or our preferences? Because in the same way that Paul looks at the church in Galatia and says, I'm astonished, I'm amazed at how all of these good things, all of these God things are happening. You're seeing the fruit of the gospel, right? The gospel is the truth. And yet these people are coming in here and they're whispering to you another way. They're whispering doubt. They're whispering distraction. They're whispering dissension. They're whispering negativity. And you're jumping ship. And you can't even see all of the joy and all the good things and all the amazing things that are happening over here that God's doing because you're blinded by what these people are coming and putting in front of you for distraction. But again, I know that's not happening to you today. 
But that's, that, that's what Paul was so fired up about here as he starts writing. And he's calling the Galatians back to grace because they were moving from grace back to law. They were abandoning their liberty for legalism. They were abandoning their freedom for rules. They were abandoning the, these things. And so the grace of God is a basic theme in the letter of Galatians. The words grace and gift go together because salvation is the gift of God through his grace. And Paul was so deeply concerned about the people that he loved so quickly leaving grace and trading it in for the life that they had already had. He was so amazed. He was so amazed. And so then, in verses 8 through 10, he exposes the problem. Look here. But even if we... Or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. Now, Paul has this habit, right? He says some things twice that he really wants the people to get, right? Let him be accursed. As we said it before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Every time I read verse 10, it makes me think of the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. Most of you know the story. Jesus is writing this letter to the church at Laodicea. It's the last of the seven churches that he addresses in the book of Revelation 2 and 3. And, 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 and Jesus, kids are having fun. Jesus says to the church at Laodicea, all of you know it. You're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. And because of lukewarm, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You know the Greek for that. Most of you know this. means that you're, you're gagging, right? That, 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 that the Lord is gagging over the church of Laodicea's lukewarmness, right? And I've always compared that to, right, sitting on the fence, right? Are you trying to please God or are you trying to please man? And we said it last Sunday, right? You can't, you can't be fully in, you can't be fully present if you've got one foot in the door and one foot out the door, right? And so that's exactly what Paul is saying here. Who am I trying to please? Whose glory am I living for? Am I trying to please God or am I trying to please man? And what Paul is telling the church at Galatia, and what I believe he wants to say, what God wants to say to, to some this morning, is... Don't sit on the fence. Don't sit on the fence. Don't sit on the fence. Are we going to please God or are we going to please man? Now, can I be a little transparent? Sure. Okay, one, one person gave me permission. <laughs> okay. I'm going to take it. There's not one thing I struggle with in my leadership more than fear of man. I struggle with it. I'm, I'm going to be transparent, I'll be open, I'm going to be honest with you. Right? I, 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 it cripples me. Whew. Man, it cripples me. If I know that I've done something that upsets someone, or if someone feels like they need to talk to me because we left the door open and we could hear the kids or, you know, the reflection of the car was blinding you during the whole service. And so you didn't look at me or, you know, what have you. You didn't shut the corn this morning. Right? 
right? If, if I know that, it's so crippling. It's so crippling. And the biggest battle that me and the devil fight all the time, right, is am I trying to make Summit happy or leading Summit for the glory of God? That's my battle. And it's been my battle ever since I started in ministry. Because I want every person, when they walk out of Summit Church, to be happy, to be blessed, to say, oh, that was the best service I've ever been to. Right? That was the best service I've ever been to. And you know what? It's just not possible. Except for one person in the room. It never fails every time my mama talks to me after church. She says, Travis, that is the best message I've ever heard you preach. And she's lying like 95% of the time. Bless her heart. But that's the mama's job, I guess, right? Right? And so I get the inner battle. You know where this really shows up for us, I believe, in pleasing God, pleasing man, that sort of thing is when it comes to shame. Let me remind you, Paul's astonished. Why? Because they're walking away from grace and freedom back into legalism and bondage, right? And so so Jesus died that we might live, right? To set us free. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. That's the gospel, right? He went to the cross so that we could live, right? So that we could walk in freedom, walk in joy, all of those different things. We didn't have to walk in bondage and the over 400 plus laws in the Old Testament and the ceremonial washings. Jesus died so that we could have direct access to God. We didn't have to go through a priest anymore like the Old Testament did. Jesus died so that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead could live in us and we could be spirit led and spirit infused for life. The Old Testament didn't get that, right? And so, and so Paul is amazed that they're deserting this freedom and this liberty for this legalism and bondage. But you get, we all get it, right? That there is comfort sometimes in what you know, even if it's bad. There's comfort in what you know. Anybody ever heard of the Golden Corral? Anybody ever heard of the Golden Corral? I call it the Golden Carrot. I love the Golden Carrot, right? Because I know that if I go in there, they have about 397 food choices. I'm going to find something, right? I'm going to find something. And I'm probably going to find like the mac and cheese and then the soft serve ice cream machine. Like that's... But those are two things that are comforting to me, right? And the golden carrot, right? And so I'm comfortable with that. But if I go to like a Ruth's Chris or like a, 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 big, a big steakhouse or something like that, and I don't know how it goes, and I go with somebody that's never been before, and I don't, I don't know the ropes, and I don't know what I'm doing, and you have to order a la carte, right? I'm not very comfortable with that. But I would, so I would prefer the golden carrot over the a la carte steakhouse, right? Just follow me here. Every illustration breaks down somewhere. I know some of you guys are thinking, has this guy lost his mind, right? But I would rather stay in the comforts of the golden carrot and what I know, right? As opposed to going someplace that I don't know that's going to make me feel uncomfortable and I'm not really going to know what I'm going to eat by the end of it because I had to ask the waiter or waitress five times what this meant, right? Some of you are picking up what I'm laying down. 
right? And so, and so the church at Galatia, right, they were uncomfortable with the freedom. How could this freedom be possible? And I see that in Christians all the time today, right? That I've got to keep my shame close because my shame is a reminder, right? No, 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 no. Jesus died so that you don't have to carry your shame anymore. But that you can walk in the freedom of the grace of the Savior who died for you, that you can walk in liberty. But yet so many of us would rather carry those chains around as reminders of how bad we are. And for some of us, it's even with good intent of, in a false humility, right? That, oh, yeah, I'm just... I'm just, you know, a sinner. And we forget to say, saved by grace. And so Paul, Paul's amazed. Paul's amazed here. He's amazed. And so, anyway, back to this. And so he's exposing the problem. And the false teachers were identified two ways. Okay, two ways. We've already talked about this a little bit, so I'm going to fly through this part. Okay, number one, the message that they taught. False teachers were identified because of the false message that they taught. Law instead of grace. Jesus died for grace. And so the primary objective of the false teachers was to attack the doctrine or belief of salvation. Satan is the father of lies. Father of lies. And he works through false teachers and he's actively involved in false teaching. He slips into churches that are pure like the churches in Galatia. And his central point of attack is the doctrine of salvation. We see it often that, if, if, that, 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 that you give your life to Jesus and, right? No, there's no end when it comes to salvation. You give your life to Jesus. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. And the true gospel of grace brings peace, life, liberty, deliverance, and freedom. Any different gospel brings bondage, spiritual death, legalism, and it's really no gospel at all. And so gospel means good news, and this was bad news. The second uh, way false teachers are identified is the false most motives that they practice. And we already talked about this, that they were out for personal gain, right? That they were out for personal gain. This is the true gospel. It teaches us that God saves us and blesses us as a free gift of unmerited grace. And in response to that, we do good works. And the false gospel reverses that, saying that we do some good works, and then God saves us and blesses us in response to that. I want to, I want to talk about four false gospels that I believe are in the church today. Can we do that? Sure. Can we fast forward and talk about us for just a moment? Four false gospels that I believe are wreaking havoc on the church today and causing us to be distracted and so on and so forth. Number one, we believe a false gospel whenever we make something else besides faith in Christ necessary for salvation. We buy into a false gospel whenever we believe making something else besides faith in Jesus necessary for salvation. For example, some people believe that to become a Christian, you have to accept Christ as your Savior and take communion. Accept Christ and belong to the church. Accept Christ and go to confession. Accept Christ and, most commonly, be baptized. Let me tell you something. If you're taking notes, write this down. There is no 
and in the gospel. There is no and in the gospel. There is faith in what Christ has done plus nothing else that saves. So, when it comes to salvation, how do I know I'm saved? Have you accepted Jesus into your heart? Do you believe Jesus? Do you trust Jesus? That's it. Not have you accepted Jesus in your heart and stopped cursing. Have you, have you accepted Jesus in your heart and started giving to the church? Have you accepted Jesus in your heart and, and joined Summit, right? None of those things matter. Have you accepted Jesus in your heart? When we assume that God's acceptance of us is based on how we've been living or any other and, we reveal that we don't understand the gospel. We don't understand the gospel. The gospel is not contingent. Your salvation is not contingent on that. And see, here's the thing, and we're going to talk more about this in just a minute with the second or third one, right? You are a project. We've talked about this before. We're all in process. Look at the person next to you and say, you're in process. And I hope you get there soon, right? No, I'm just kidding. Don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that, right? Right, 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 right. We've got to remember we're all in process. We're all in process, right? The gospel has not perfected us, and we'll be in process until we worship together in heaven, right? Until we worship together in heaven. The second false gospel we can have in our churches today is this. We believe a false gospel whenever we assume that it doesn't matter what you believe so long as you're sincere, loving, and a good person. Mm. The first one was easier. So let's just keep going. Number three. No, I'm just kidding. Number two. We believe a false gospel whenever we assume that it doesn't matter what you believe so long as you're a sincere, loving, and good person. There's one problem with that. Jesus gave us the truth of his word. And he says in here, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It does matter. It does matter. And we've talked about this before, and we're going to talk about it quite a bit as we do this study in Galatians around October. It's truth, grace, right? What are, what are truths? What are absolute truths that, that are hills to die on? And what are things that we shouldn't shed a paper cut over, right? Because some of us are dying on hills that we shouldn't even shed a paper cut over, Right? And, and, and so we believe a false gospel when basically we say, it doesn't really matter what you believe about this, when the Bible speaks clearly that it does. And number three, we believe a false gospel whenever we try to grow ourselves spiritually through self-effort. I just got to try harder. I just got to do better. I just got to work more. I, maybe, maybe, if I, maybe if I serve in two or three more ministries, God will be pleased with me, right? This is where you know, this is where you know you were saved by grace, but you believe becoming Christ-like is now all you're doing, right? Justification is a word that we use for when we're saved. We're justified by faith. We are declared saved. We're declared uh, in, in Christ's kingdom, right? And, 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 and 
the process of being saved, sanctification, right? We think that's our job. It's not. It's his. Later in his letter to the Galatians, Paul says that any growth in the Christian life is the fruit of the Spirit within you. The power of the Spirit is released by faith in Christ, not by resolution or self-discipline. And so it's God's work within us. Not try harder. Not do better. Not work harder. It's His work within us. And then number four, and quite honestly, I think the biggest one that I see these days causing the most dissension and the most frustration and the most disappointment we believe a false gospel whenever, think, whenever we think we can produce spiritual change in other people. We're buying into a false gospel whenever we think we can produce change spiritually in other people. I had a mentor one time in Oregon, and we were talking one day on one of our phone calls that we would do every other week. And um, and he just he was talking about how's the church? You know, how's the church? And so I was telling him about you. Um, this was probably about about two, three years ago. I was telling him about you and I think it was summer and and um, you know some of you were out of the beach on Sunday mornings and different things like that, which, what, what else, what else, I've gotten over, right, and, and, uh, and, and I said to him something along these lines, I've just got to get them to, I've just got to get them to, and I don't even remember what I said after that, I think it was value something, or do this, or do that, right, and I talked, he let me talk for about five minutes, and I rambled, shocking, right, and, and, I, and, I, and I was talking, I was talking, and, and, then, and then he um, stopped me at one point, and he said, Travis, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get rid of the get-ems. What? I didn't even write that down, I thought it was ridiculous, right? He said, you've got to get rid of the get-ems. I was like, what do you mean? He said, you are fooling yourself if you think you can get people to do anything. That's not up to you. He said, you've got to free yourself of that. He said, all you can do is give them Jesus and allow Jesus to do the work among the people. And I said, well then, what, how do I do that? And he said, pray. He said, stay faithful. Trust God with the rest. Pray. Stay faithful. Trust God with the rest. Some of you are in a marriage where you're just trying to get them. Oh, if I could just get them to do this. Oh, if I could just get them to do that. Oh, if I could just get them to church. Right? How many times have we said that? Oh, if I could just get them to church. Parents, if I could just get them to do this, if I could just get them to do that, if they would just do this one thing, right? Then it would be transformative. It would be transformative in our family. And then that one thing turns into two things. And that two things turns into four things, right? If I could just get them, right? How would our lives change and be different? In our marriages, in our relationships with our kids, and in our evangelism when we're telling other people about Jesus. 
if we would just give people Jesus, stay faithful, and trust Him. Pray, stay faithful, and trust Him. See, many of you walk around frustrated, disappointment, disappointed, and let down because, because you look across the aisle and you're like, oh, if they would just listen to me. Oh, if they would just do what I asked them to do. Oh, if they would just, oh, if they would just, oh, if they would just. Listen, that is his job. I heard this a long time ago, and I've used it over and over again, and I might butcher it this morning because I wasn't planning on going here. If Jesus saves, if Jesus saves, the Holy Spirit convicts, and God judges, then what's left to do? Love. Right? What's my job? Love people. And love people not for who we see them becoming, not for their potential, but for right where they are right now. We buy into a false gospel when we believe that we can produce spiritual change in other people. So, as we land the plane, as we talk about this this morning. For now, for am I now seeking, verse 10, the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Here's, the, here's what I want you to take away from today as we start this. Run from anything that says faith plus something equals salvation. Run from anything that says faith plus something equals salvation. It's not faith in Christ plus baptism. It's not faith in Christ plus church membership. It's not faith in Jesus plus the sacraments. It is solo faith. It is faith in Jesus alone. Jesus paid it all. He died for your sin. You did not in any way, shape, or form work your way to salvation. It was completely faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. And so Paul is writing to teach the right message, to correct incorrect beliefs, and to point us to Jesus in everything we do. And my challenge for us this morning, as the worship team comes, is this. Who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to please? What are you here for? Who are you here for? Paul asks, and we're going to talk more about it next week, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Who am I trying to please? So as you walk about this week, as you go to work, as you do activities and, and all the things that you engage in your life with this week, I want you to think about who am I trying to please? And as we please Him, as we focus on that and that alone, we do this out of the overflow.